Go ahead, turn your Bibles. John chapter number 1 this evening, the book of John chapter number 1. I just want to take a look at the Lamb of God tonight. Kind of go through what God has laid on our hearts about how wonderful that He really truly is. How great the Lamb of God is in each and every for each and every one of us. The wonderful book that you have in your hand, the wonderful Word of God that you hold in your hand is a precious record that tells you that God loves you. That God loved you, does love you, and will continue to love you for all of eternity. What an amazing thing to be able to understand that the God of this universe, how minuscule that we really are, but yet He loves and cares for each and every one of us. He knows the hair upon our head or the lack thereof. I wasn't talking to anybody, Brother Perry, I promise. I wasn't saying a word to anybody. But I tell you, the lack thereof, the hairs that we have, how many are gray, how many are dark, how many that are are going on, he knows exactly about each and every one of us, but he knows what the birds outside of our house are and stand in need of. He knows what our needs are for tomorrow and for the rest of the evening. He knows exactly what's going on. And the Lamb of God is an absolutely uh, great sacrifice that God gave for each and every one of us. God gave His only begotten Son for you and for me. That is absolutely overwhelming to me, to be honest with you, to understand, to know that God cared so much that He would sacrifice. I remember years ago, Brother John, I remember years ago when I found out that we were going to be having uh, a son, have Daniel, and he was just a uh, just a glimmer, and, and boy, we were so excited, and then he was born, and boy, I was I was one of those dads that, that uh, I spoiled my kids. Um, I was one of those dads that, we didn't send our kids. The first, the first one, Daniel, never went to the nursery at the hospital. Were you all those kind of people? I, I didn't send Daniel to the... I, I made sure that I, I held him. I made sure that I was taking care of him. I learned how to change diapers and I learned how to do all those things. And then Ethan, we did send him to the nursery. And, uh, uh, but, uh, but maybe that's what's wrong with him. I don't know. But... Uh, Maybe that's it. He's not my... No, I'm joking. He is, I guarantee. But no, we didn't send Ethan to the nursery at all. But we were one of those parents that just loved. But then I realized, boy, to give my son, to give somebody for someone else. But God did that for us. God gave His only begotten Son, that Son that uh, of God that was a sinless sacrifice for the sins of this entire world. And when we begin to look at this, uh, He is the spotless Lamb of God. John chapter number 1, verse number 29. You all know exactly where we're going. Book of John chapter number 1, verse number 29. Just going to read one verse and use that verse as a launching place. And then we'll go through the Bible and kind of track the Lamb that is throughout the Bible and see what the amazing things about Jesus Christ and really truly it is. Look at John chapter number 1, verse number 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Can I read that verse one more time? Because it'll absolutely excite you if you get a hold of it. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
What a magnificent thing to be able to say about Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that He made. There was no other sacrifice that had ever been made that would be able to satisfy exactly what Jesus Christ had done for us. We could not, we could not ever make a sacrifice or go through those uh, sacrifices at all to be able to make this sacrifice that was sufficient. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 10 this evening. The book of Hebrews chapter number 10 real quickly and we'll look through some verses here as well. In Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 1 is where I want to begin reading, and I want to use this also as a launching place. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 1, it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away, glory to God, sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure." Look at verse number 7. This is, this is amazing to me. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. But look at verse number 9. Then said he, Lo, come to, come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second by the which will we are which we are sacrificed uh, or sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ and I love that once for all when you begin to see what Jesus Christ did for each and every one of us, that is the sacrifice that it's talking about, the sacrifice that is sufficient for everyone. You go through those verses one more time and you begin to look through those verses and you see that there is an insufficiency. They were insufficient in verse number 3. What does that Bible say in chapter number 10 in the book of Hebrews, verse number 3? But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Boy, God would take that sacrifice and He would say, I'm sufficed for right now. But those sins would come up. They would rear their ugly head once again when that year was over. Every time they would have to repeat. They would have to repeat and they would have to once again to be able to go. Those sins would be remembered again. And it is a constant sacrifice that has to go through. But thank God by the glory of Jesus Christ and by the blood of Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry about constantly making a sacrifice over over and over and over again because the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made is once and for all. And He was the one that was able to go through. It is insufficient. But look at verse number 4 with me in Hebrews chapter number 10. It says this, For it is not possible, so therefore it is impossible, that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. But what was our text verse in John chapter number 1, verse number 29? It says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
Boy, that there is an impossibility that those bulls and goats would be able to do. But in this little Bible study that we'll do this evening, we can understand that God did something much greater. He made a better sacrifice. As a matter of fact, you look through the book of Hebrews, 13 times that word is used. It's a trigger word. It is better sacrifice. Better, 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 better. I remember in, in, in school years ago, uh, Brother Poole, I was given an assignment. They said, read through the book of Hebrews and I want you to highlight every time you find the word better. And I thought to myself, why not just tell me where they all are? But then I started and beginning to see the context in which I began to see what Jesus Christ was better at. And when you begin to read through those verses and you see that he's better at this and better at that and better for this and better for that, it absolutely makes a change in your life. And it says that that it's impossible for those sacrifices to take away the sins. But there is one sacrifice that was able to take away the sins. But you see this also, there's something that began to happen that was absolutely incredible. What is it that happened that was incredible? Look with me back one more time, Hebrews chapter number 10. Look at verse number 5 with me. Real quickly, the Bible says this, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he, say, uh, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, here it is, verse number 7, that is absolutely incredible. I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, To do thy will, O God. So he therefore is saying that I came to do the will of God. Brother Jose, what does that mean? That means that it is the will of God that Jesus Christ would die for each and every one of our sins. It is the will of God that he would be broken for our sins. It is the will of God that he would shed his precious blood on the cross for each and every one of our sin. It was, it was the will of God that he be broken and beaten and battered. Why? Because his wrath was poured out. I believe with all of my heart, Brother Earl, when those, those hours of darkness, while Jesus Christ was on the cross, creation could not look upon what was happening at that time because the sins of you and me and everybody else that has ever walked the face of this earth was placed on the body of a son of God, of Jesus Christ. Everything that you have done in the past and everything that you're ashamed of in the past and everything that you will do in the future has been placed on the body of Jesus Christ and the wrath of God was uh, given and broken body of Jesus Christ for our sacrifice and now, praise God, we are forgiven and God has has taken away our sins from off of us. Now, I know I'm trying to do just a little Bible study, but that excites me to know that that's a wonderful thing that Jesus Christ had done that. It's an incredible thing, so much better than all of these other things. And then look at verse number 10. Look at verse number 10 with me in Hebrews chapter number 10. Verse number 10, the Bible says this, But the which will we... But the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Know what that means to me? Innocent. No more. Done for. That means, Brother Oliver, I don't have to worry about another sacrifice. That means I don't have to worry about 
having somebody else come and pay another debt, that means that that means that nobody's going to come back to me and say, you got some bad debt from years ago, and you got to take care of it. No, Brother Paul, Jesus Christ did that all for me. Once and for all, He has done this. So when we look at what the Lamb of God has done, I want you to take this Bible study this evening, and I want you to follow the Lamb of God with me from the very beginning of the Bible to the very end of the Bible. And I want you to see what God has done and what the Lamb of God and how the Lamb was moved throughout uh, throughout the Word of God. Go ahead and get your Bibles. We're, we're going to go through a lot of places tonight, all right? I got seven different places to take you. Nobody passed out. Praise God. I thought somebody would get up and walk out when I said seven. But praise God, Stephen, don't you move. All right. Go to Genesis chapter number 22. The very first mention of the word lamb. Now, we always remember that the first mention is a very important thing. First mention is always a great thing when we begin to look through. Genesis chapter number 22, you all know exactly where we're going when we look at these verses. This is the very sacrifice where uh, Abraham begins to take his son, Isaac, on up the hill. To sacrifice him. There's a song that's out there that my sisters want me to sing. And and I think it's a really great song. But I just hadn't got the courage up to sing it. But there's a song that says, Abraham, I just wanted you to know what it's like to watch your son walk up a lonely hill. I just wanted you to know what it's like to think that the the life of his, his lifeless body is going to be there in just a few moments. I just wanted you to know what it's like. To be able to, for him to sacrifice or you to sacrifice him for other people and for other things that you had no idea why. But boy, uh, God is saying, hey, this sacrifice that goes through the, fa- the first mention that we have in the book of uh, all throughout Genesis, the first 22 chapters, no mention of a lamb. There's rams, there's sheep, there are these things. But the very first mention that you have of a lamb is found here. And it's an association. Look at verse number 7 with me. Chapter number 22 in the book of Genesis, chapter number 22, verse number 7. And Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Boy, you begin to look through that and, 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 and Isaac, I believe with all of my heart, was not a very young man. I believe that the word lad is actually able to use up to somebody that was about 30 years old. So I believe that a 30-year-old man could take down a hundred and something-year-old man. You think about that. If he really, truly was the one that was not going to do. But then he was willingly saying, Okay, Father, whatever you say, the beautiful picture of Isaac with Jesus Christ, whatever your will is, Father, I will do that. And then I believe with all of my heart also that when we get to verse number 8, that Abraham believed that Jesus Christ or that God Almighty would provide the lamb that was necessary for that sacrifice. I believe with all of my heart that Abraham knew that God had the power to resurrect his son. I believe with all of my heart that Abraham had faith in God and knew that this was the promised seed and therefore God would provide. Look at verse number 8. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself what is that? A lamb. He will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. 
Abraham right then and there, Brother David, began to look forward by faith and see that God would move and would do something in, the, in, in a great and mighty way for him. That the Lamb of God would be able to do some great and mighty things for each and every one of us. Boy, the Lamb that was going to be a sacrifice, that first mention that knows that the Lamb of God is also going to be the sacrifice that we would need to have. The Lamb of God would be provided with, and that one was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Looking down through the portals of time, we see that the Lamb was prophesied through this way. That Lamb was prophesied here in Genesis chapter number 22. And, and you go back further back if you want, that Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 15, the Bible tells us that uh, uh, God had said that, hey, you may have done this, you may have won this battle, but there'll be one that comes along and he will bruise your head. You have bruised his heel, but you will bruise his heel, but he will bruise your head. Boy, that is the one that's talking about the Lamb of God that would come forth. And boy, the Lamb that is prophesied here is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. But then also we see, number two, we're moving quickly. Look at this. We'll get out of here early. This number two, that the Lamb that is typified. Go ahead and go to Exodus chapter number 12 with me. The book of Exodus chapter number 12 Remember, we're walking through, we're looking at the Lamb, we're taking a look at the Lamb as we see Him throughout and how He's prophesied here in Genesis 22 in our little Bible study. But in Exodus chapter number 12, also very familiar scripture. This is where God institutes the Passover. We all know that the Passover Lamb was very necessary uh, throughout the rest of the Old Testament. But thank God that the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ has taken His place. Taking that place. Look at verse number, chapter number 12. Look at verse number 5 with me. The book of Exodus, chapter number 12. Look at verse number 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep and from the goats. Verse number 6. And, there sh- and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole of the assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now we all know exactly what's happening here. That God is telling Moses exactly what needs to take place. The steps that need to take place. That there is a very specific lamb that needs to take place. It couldn't be the castaway. It couldn't be the one that you was least desirable to you. It was the one that was not the one that was the least profitable to you. It was not the one that you thought, boy, if I'm going to get a hold of one, I want to get rid of that one. Anybody ever seen something that you said, if I'm going to get rid of something, I'm going to get rid of that one. It's kind of like having a food bank. Uh Uh-oh. Y'all remember, you know, when somebody says, we're going to have a food drive, I want you to go home and get some cans or go to the food drive, go to the grocery store, and then you get everything that you hadn't eaten in three years. Guilty as charged. I hadn't, these pork and beans expired three years ago, but they've been in my, no, it couldn't be that old stuff that was, I'm willing to get rid of that. I'm not willing to get rid of this. But no, it had to be the best of the best. The greatest that you had. The one that was, uh, the one that was your prized possession. <laughs> Glory to God. Jesus Christ was the prize. It is the prized possession of God the Father. But yet He gave it willingly 
for you and for I. Boy, the lamb is typified here as we look through this and he's saying, hey, I want you to see this lamb. I want you to see that this is the reason why in verse number five of that same chapter, your lamb shall be without blemish. I believe that God Almighty, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh that came down, had no sin in his life. Therefore, he was without blemish. He had no spot. He had no reason. He was not guilty of anything. But this lamb was one that's typified. Boy, he was the picture of the lamb that was that substitutionary sacrifice. Boy, I think about that one and the, see the, the, listen to that song about the little boy that says, Daddy, go check the door. Go make sure that that blood is still there. Brother Jerry, there's been times in my life where I thought, boy, is the blood still there for me? But I can thank God that I can go back to Hebrews and I can say that it was once and for all and he shed his blood, that soup, uh, substitutionary death. And boy, that the blood that, uh, that lamb that's typified right here, it was the blood that brought mercy and truth and they met together. And as a matter of fact, right Righteousness and peace, according to Psalm chapter number 85, verse number 10, it says that righteousness and peace kissed one another. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Wow, what a wonderful thought to be able to know that God has been typifying these things before. The Lamb that travels through, the Lamb of Jesus Christ, is there once again. But number three, I want you to turn with me to John chapter number one, verse number 29, where we began this uh, evening. The book of John, chapter number 1. Look at verse number 29 with me. And the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, the Lamb was prophesied in Genesis. The Lamb was typified in Exodus. But when we get to John, chapter number 1, the Lamb is identified. The Old Testament has been going through, Brother Jose, the Old Testament is constantly telling you, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. There's one that's coming, there's one that's greater that's coming. The one is going to do this. Isaiah chapter number 53 talks about how that there's going to be one that has to go through these things. And boy, how those folks would miss that, the blindness that the devil had placed upon their hearts and their minds to be able to see or not see that Jesus Christ fulfilled every one of those things. But the, the lamb is identified that he is the one. Have you ever met somebody famous? I met a bunch of famous people before and, uh, and, 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 and I've always wondered if they had you know, you have stunt doubles or if I was looking at one of those guys or somebody took credit to be some of those or something like that. And I always thought, boy, is that the real deal? Is that the real one? The other uh, years and years ago, Daniel and I, we went down to Best Buy and Daniel was buying. He, he loves electronics. He loves to go through and he was going through Best Buy and we're sitting there and Daniel was talking to me and my back was somebody walked up behind me and this big old shadow walked up behind me. And I thought to myself, my goodness, and Daniel just, I said, son, what is it? He said, I said, what? He said, behind you. I said, what? He said, that's the biggest guy I've ever seen. And I just nonchalantly, you know, whoa, that's a big boy. And then I said, you know who that is? He said, no. I said, that's a Vander Holyfield. He said, who's that? 
He didn't know who Evander Holyfield was. He's so young, bless his heart. I said, that's a boxer. He's, he said, how do you know that's him? I said, because he's, lift, he's missing his left earlobe. <laughs> he was the real one. It wasn't a fake. It wasn't a look a lot. It wasn't a guy with a, a mask. It wasn't anybody that was saying, hey, I want to go out and to, to get people to think that I am Evander Holyfield. But he was the real one. And I believe with all of my heart when John looked over when he was on the sweet banks of Jordan sitting there looking out and baptizing those people. And all of a sudden he said, hey, that's the one. Hey, I know that that's him. That's Jesus Christ. That's the Savior. That's the Lamb of God. That's the one that's been promised that would come to us. That's the one that's going to take away the sin of the world. Glory to God. Boy, you have the lamb that is identified. But look with me in, in verse uh, J- Isaiah chapter number 53. Go back with me to Isaiah chapter number 53. In the book of Isaiah chapter number 53, you all know that that is a very uh, real chapter, just very, very descriptive of the lamb of God and the lamb that Jesus Christ is. But we see number four that the lamb is crucified. Look at verse number seven with me. Isaiah chapter number 53, verse number 7. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Say, Brother Shane, what do you mean by that? The Lamb of God was crucified. This Lamb, descriptive of him saying that he was brought before the shearers. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He didn't fight. He didn't say, no, I don't want to go. He didn't say, hey, choose somebody else. There's somebody, hey, he's the one that deserves it. But he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Walked before the shearers and was quiet as he did it. Didn't fuss about it, didn't have it, but he fulfilled every prophecy. And God, his purpose and his plan was carried out by the obedience of his son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Boy, the Lamb that was crucified, you say, well, Brother Shane, where do you have? In John nineteen nine, at the very end of the verse, it says that, but Jesus gave him no answer. They were there before that judgment seat and they were saying, where did you come from? Where are you from? And Jesus did not answer a word. And because Jesus Christ answered not a word and was having the will of God to be carried out, he was crucified for your sins and for mine. Not only do we see the lamb that was prophesied, the lamb that was typified, the lamb that was identified, the lamb that was crucified, but turn over to Revelation chapter number five. We'll get to the end of the book. The book of Revelation chapter number 5, we have a lamb that's glorified. (laughs) What a day. What a wonderful day. The lamb that is glorified, look at verse number 5 with me. Revelation chapter number 5, verse number 5. One of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Behold... The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. 
Now you say, well, what are we talking about? What is the seven seals and what is the book that they're talking about? It is the deed to this earth. It is the deed to your soul and mine. It is the deed to this, uh, this earth that we needed to have. Not only us to be redeemed, but this world had to be redeemed as well. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God Almighty, has redeemed everything. And in verse number 6, and it said, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood, what? A lamb. As it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Boy, the lamb was glorified right here, begins to be glorified in chapter number 5 in the book of Revelation. Verse number 5, you say, why? Because John was looking for somebody to uh, to step up and to be able to do something, and they were not looking for uh, the person that was the most rich and not looking for the person that was the most wealthy or the most uh, those famous or the one that had everything that uh, everyone seems to think that this world that we really need. But they were looking for one that was worthy. And when they looked around and they couldn't find one that was worthy, John began to weep, but then that strong angel said, weep not, because when the Lamb of God steps on the scene, when the Lion of the tribe of Judah steps on the scene, then there's no cause, no reason at all for the weeping of us. Why? Because Jesus Christ is on the scene. Uh, weeping has to cease, uh, cease when a Lamb begins to come into view and begin to see that. And I love that it says that He hath prevailed. Can I back up real quickly? In chapter number 5 in the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ is described as a lamb one time, or a a lion one time, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Once here in chapter number 5. But I want you, I want to challenge you this, your homework assignment. Go through chapter number 5 in the book of Revelation and find out how many times he's called the lamb. So many times that it goes through the book of Revelation chapter number 5 and he's called the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb. Why? Because he is identifying Brother Mike with the sacrifice that he did for us. Yes, he's a lion in the judgment that he has, but he is also being the, the Lamb that for the judgment that we have. The Lamb is the one that he has prevailed. He hath prevailed. What is it? Uh, he has conquered. That's what that word means. That he has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has conquered the grave. He has conquered all of these things. Why? Because of the blood of the Lamb, he has conquered these things. What is it also? That he has overcome. He has overcome the world. Thank God that he hath prevailed. He has overcome. And I love that, that he says that he got the victory. (laughs) What better way to get the victory than to put it on the shoulders of Jesus? Have you ever had somebody that you really thought, boy, was the star of the team, and as long as that person was there, they were, you were going to, your team was going to win? And you just kind of thought that as long as that person's there, they're going to make sure that they come through for us every step of the way. But I can tell you, Brother John, if you've got Jesus on your team, you don't need anybody else. <laughs> he is the star of your team. He is the star. He is the one that is uh, the bright morning star. He is the one that is high and lifted up. And He is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice that sufficed for everything for each and every one of us. And therefore, in chapter number 5 of the book of Revelation, the Lamb is now being glorified. He's being much made, much, much made of Him. He is being lifted up there saying, Glory, glory, glory to His name. How wonderful that He is. But I love this also that it said that the Lamb stood there. He's not sitting anymore. 
There's only a few times in the Bible where you find that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is standing. He stood. Thank God that we see that He stood there. The Lamb stood. Why? Glory goes because of uh, what He has uh, given to each and every one of us. We look at that Lamb standing there. How is it that we see the Lamb of God standing? Well, I remember in Acts chapter number 6, Stephen begins to look up and appear up into heaven. And as those people are stoning him, what happens? He sees the Lamb of God. He sees Jesus Christ, God Almighty, standing at the throne, standing there. And in here in Revelation chapter number five. Why? The crossing of one of his saints, Jesus Christ stands up for. In Revelation chapter number four, Jesus Christ also stands up and he says, come up hither. And he comes and he gets his children. For the Lord himself shall descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Lamb of God begins to stand. The things start, the business starts to pick up. God Almighty stands up. You're going to see something happen, something amazing. That's what happens when you see him coming up for his children, when you see one of his children crossing over, and here you see that when he's being glorified, when he's being made much of, he stands up, and they're giving him glory, and they're giving him honor, and they're giving him praise, and they're saying, glory to God, hallelujah, thank you Jesus for the Lamb of God that was slain, worthy is the Lamb. Amen. God is good. Jesus is good. And He is glorified. He's standing there for each and every one of us saying that I have done what... I have done what you had to have for you. I made the sacrifice that you needed. I made the sacrifice that you could not make. I'm the one that should be high. I'm the one that should be lifted up. I'm the one that everybody needs to praise. Not anybody else. We don't need to worry about the athletes of this world. We don't need to worry about the popular people of this world. We don't need to worry about the influencers of the world. What we need to worry about is the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Who we need to worry about is Jesus Christ and nobody else. Hallelujah. The Lamb is glorified. Go a little further with me, down a little further to verse number 9. I got ahead of myself. The Lamb is magnified. Chapter number 5, verse number 9. And they sung, I love this, a new song. That new song is something that's never been heard before. Hallelujah. That new song is something that you say, hey, I, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever heard anything like that before. As a matter of fact, Brother John, it means that it is a new creation. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back a little bit, but in Exodus chapter number 15, there's a song that's sung. That boy, it's a song of deliverance that we have that Moses has been crossed over the Red Sea and the children of Israel begin to sing a song and they're singing, thank God that He has delivered us. Thank God that He has delivered us. And now the saints of God were gathering around. There's another song. There's a new song. It's not a song of deliverance, but it's a song that, hey, I have been redeemed. I have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am redeemed and I want to magnify Him and make much of Him. What do they say? Thou art worthy. Hey, if you want to get Jesus' attention, you just go ahead and you walk up and you say, Hey, Jesus, you are worthy. Hey, Lord, my Savior, you are worthy. God Almighty, you are worthy. There's none worthy other than you, but you are the only one that is worthy. And we can just step back and say, Glory to God, thou art worthy. Glory to God. Boy, you talk about a meeting. You talk about a song service. You talk about having a good time in the Lord's house. 
You ever been to one of them? You've been to the, we've had some of them just recently where it just got plumb thick and happy and good as we go through this time of service and we begin to uh, praise God. And boy, we don't have to worry about who's up or what's doing anything else. All we need to worry about is the Lamb and say, Thou art worthy. Boy, you've made the sacrifice. Thou art worthy. You're the one that has made everything right. Thou art worthy. You are the one that has created all things and are going to create all things new. You are worthy. Glory to God. The voices of the saints of God begin to join together and they return worth to Him. That's what worship means. That we need to return the worth that Jesus Christ is. And the only one that is worthy is Jesus Christ. So why do we worship Him? Because He is the worthy one. Magnify Jesus Christ. Look down at verse number 11 with me. We're still magnifying Him. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and, a, and the beast and the elders and the number of them was, look at this, ten thousands times ten thousand and thousands of thousands. Glory to God. I don't know how many that is, but I think it's a whole lot. Glory to God. And Brother Earl, you know what I'm excited about? That somewhere in those ten thousands and thousands of ten thousands and thousands is Shane Roy. And if you're name is written in the Lamb's book of life somewhere in the ten thousands of thousands and ten thousands is somewhere there is setting you and we're setting forth and what are we saying? Worthy is the Lamb of God. Praise the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb of God. And we just rejoice in knowing. Look what they say in verse number 12. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Glory to God. He is the one that is worthy. And that's why we magnify His holy name. But then lastly, lastly, number seven, you didn't think I was going to get there. Number seven, look at this one. The lamb is satisfied. The lamb is satisfied. Flip over with me to Revelation chapter number 19. Oh, glory. Revelation chapter number 19, verse number 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him honor and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. (laughs) Glory to God. I remember the day, August 14th, 1999. I remember standing at Trinity Baptist Church. (laughs) And I remember looking up that aisle. And I'll be honest with you, my knees were knocking. Because I didn't think she was really going to come, to be honest with you. But I was standing there. All of a sudden, she walked out of the nursery. We didn't have those big, beautiful doors that we could open. We just, we had a nursery, and she walked out of that nursery, and I saw her adorned in that beautiful wedding dress. And I'll be honest with you, Brother Jose, I still, my heart still skips a beat when I think about that time that she started to come down the aisle. You guys remember the day that your bride began to walk down the aisle? And you saw her walking down that aisle and your heart skipped a beat because you thought she's, I'm hers and she's going to be mine and we are going to be one together. What a wonderful thought. What a wonderful day. And, and, and you ladies, do you remember the day that you, 
you married that ugly old boy that you're sitting next to. But you thought he was so handsome. I'll be honest with you, people look at me all the time and say, she married you? I take offense to that. I'm not fat, I'm fluffy. She loves me just the way I am. But I remember the day, Brother John. Heather got to the church a lot earlier than I did because she had to ready herself. We have to ready ourselves because there's coming a day when the marriage of the Lamb. The marriage of the Lamb has come. And the wife, his wife, hath made herself ready. I'm going to tell you this. If you have not made yourself ready, today is the day to make yourself ready. Today is a day of salvation. You say, Brother Shane, it's a Wednesday night. Why would you possibly? Hey, I don't know. But in a crowd of this, you'd, you never know. But I want to make sure. I want to do my due, due diligence. I don't ever want to stand before God and Him say, Why didn't you tell those about my Savior? Why didn't you tell them about my sacrifice and how to become a Savior? Well, you are. and We are all sinners and we all need a Savior. And thank God that He has given His life for each and every one of us. And all we have to do is trust Christ as our Savior. And that's that uh, marriage of the Lamb is coming soon. And we are going to have a time where the Lamb will be satisfied and say, Wow, look at the bride. Look at the bride that has adorned herself and made herself ready by the blood of Jesus Christ. Worthy is the Lamb. And how beautiful the bride is for, to be for that Lamb. You remember that day. And boy, that glorious union between the bride and the bridegroom. It's going to take place. You, you always hear those stories, and they lived happily ever after. I can promise you this. At the end of Revelation chapter number 22, and they live <laughs> Lord to God, and they live happily, joyously, In the grace and the mercy of God, they live happily ever after. What a wonderful thought that the Lamb is satisfied, that the Lamb should be magnified, the Lamb should be glorified. We track the Lamb as He's going through and He's prophesied about, He's typified, He's identified, and He's crucified for each and every one of us. And I think, Brother John, we just need to praise Him. Make much of who He is. Lift Him up. And be able to say that the lamb and the bride are together for all eternity. What a wonderful union. What a day that's going to be.